So if I was to ask you what or why did you come to worship at Refuge today, typically I would get one of three different answers. First of all, you go, well, the preacher is asking, so pastor, I know why we're here. We're here to worship God. That's a question for each of us to ask. Um, are we supposed to be here to worship God, or is that why we came here today? Two, you might say, well, here to go to church. You know, anybody in the southeast knows you're supposed to go to church because your grandma and your mama told you you were, okay? Uh, it's like the pastor who was, who was woke up by his mom and, and, um, and, and said, hey, you know what? You got to get up, go to church. And the pastor was like, why? She said, well, first of all, I said so, and secondly, you're the preacher. I've just never forgot that joke. How many of you, you remember jokes that reflect you? I'm not usually one that remembers uh, everything. But um, maybe you say, I'm, I'm, I'm just here to go to church. Uh, did you know, by the way, um, this, this actually speaks volumes of e any of you, whether you go to church normally or not, the fact that you're here, because 75% of society will not be at a church anywhere today. 75% of society, even in the Southeast. Most people do not attend a church. I will also say this. At Refuge, we understand why a lot of people don't go to church, and that's why we try to change the way people think about church, by the way we love people and, and hoping that, that what we do points them to him and to where they're like, listen, you know, this isn't no country club. This is just a community of believers uh, finding their way while pointing to the way. But thirdly, you might say this. You might say, well, I'm just here today because I'm going through a really, really hard time or somebody, you know, pestered you about coming so much, you finally said yes. I want you to know there's nothing wrong with any of those reasons. None of those answers would be totally wrong, especially if that's simply why you feel you've joined us today. But I'm hoping here today when you leave that you will leave with a bet, much better understanding of what it means to really worship God. These aren't up here on the screen, but I want, I want you to think about this. Um, the Bible makes it very clear. You and I were created in the image of God. You and I were created for God and by God. And our lives are made to worship God, even if we don't understand how to do that. Not just come to Sunday one day, but to, to, to live a life of worship. I want to give you a definition of what worship is. Real worship is something that is not phony. Real worship is something that is not phony. If something isn't false, it's true. If something isn't true, it's what? False. While God wants this personal relationship with all of us, if we're really honest, sometimes we're just coming to a service. You know, I grew up a pastor's son, okay? So when I tell you I know what it's like to be drugged to church, I might not have been on no drugs, but I have been drugged to church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, okay? Um, and I didn't go to church the majority of my life for the right reasons. I went because I didn't have a choice. I think you can tell that by what I said. It was only as I got into the ministry, honestly, and as I sought to have a deeper relationship with God, because I, I, I think this is what separates the generations now from the generations that have gone before. You're not willing to go to anything and do anything more that you don't feel like adds value to your life or do you feel like is, is worth it. You don't want to go to a church, for instance, that's phony. 
Doesn't mean, by the way, if you're ever looking for a church that doesn't have hypocrites, please don't join one. You will have just added to that number. That's a terrible thing. Listen, God is looking for those who want to get real with him. And I want you to hear this as we go into this. The moment that you choose to get real is the moment that things begin to get right in your life. You may say, none of what I'm going to share today has value for circumstances, situations, and struggles that you're facing. I would actually tell you this is how you get your life aligned even when everything else around you feels screwed up. John chapter 4, verse 23 through 24, it says, True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Hear that. The Father, our Heavenly Father, He is looking for those who will worship Him that way. How real. Verse 24 says, For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Listen, worship is all about getting aligned with God. And that starts here if you've got your worship God. Number one, real worship requires wholehearted connection. Real worship it requires a wholehearted connection. A week or two ago, my mom was having some electrical issues at her house. Considering my dad passed away six months ago, uh, that's a huge deal. She's had a lot of different big deals. That my dad, my dad was like one of those people who could fix anything. So she had this going on, and and so um, uh, she had all kind of stuff mal malfunction malfunctioning now. She had uh, a light flickering on and off. She, she smelled stuff that smelled like something was burning. She's like, listen, I can't burn the house down. I'm doing this. I said, well, mom, we need to get that checked. So I got someone who was an electrician, got them, got them to go over there and check things out. And, and, and they come back to my mom and said, listen, um, all, all that was happening was the receptacles were, were loose. You didn't have a good connection. As soon as they fixed the connection, Everything has been working just right since. Wasn't anything major that was done. At the same time, if you have a bad connection, you can't be in tune. Listen, your heart must connect to God's heart in order for you to better worship. Do you know Jesus' harshest words? Do you know who they were for? Let's think. Were they for the unchurched, lost people? No. You know the people that God really had an issue with? Religious people. Okay? You might want to say that God, God, doesn't, um, God isn't for just religious people. Because, see, religious people, we, we, just, we, we speak something, we sing something, we declare something, and then we go outside of, in our lives and we deny it with a lifestyle. And, and, see, that misrepresents God. That's why God says, listen, I'd rather you be either hot or cold but don't be lukewarm because that makes me sick as well as that makes other people sick. Jesus' harshest words were for the religious people. The most religious who externally tried to, to act like they had it all together, but internally their hearts were far from God. I've preached this way before. You know, my heart's never been uh, away from wanting to do God's will, but I've had seasons in my life where while I thought I was working for God, I was not walking close with God. I've had plenty of times in my life where I had to get back to the heart of worship. But Matthew 15, 8 through 9, Jesus said this to those religious Pharisees. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Now, before we judge these people, we all have attempted to go to worship with no connection. No connection. In fact, I, I say this right now. If you leave away from this church and all you heard was a sermonette for Christianettes, it really isn't going to add any value to your life. All we here are, are trying to do is point you right where God's leading us to go. That's why we got this big cross behind us. Now, I want to take a few moments, and I want you to, you can write this down to the right, left sides of your worship guide, wherever you've got space. I want to share with you why the heart matters so much to God. Why are we zoning into this? First of all, Jesus told us this is the greatest commandment. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 30. One of the teachers of religious law asked Jesus, said, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. There is not a command there, first go out and try to fix other people. The command, first and foremost, is, hey, you give me your full heart. Give me all you got. Listen, the real you, we don't want to hear this sometimes, the real you is not what's going on externally, it's what's going on internally. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We all can go through the motions on the outside, and they not reflect what's really going on on the inside. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, he said, I don't want to just talk about murder, but let's talk about the anger in your heart. Listen, Jesus is always most concerned about the deepest level of your heart, the condition of your heart. Proverbs 21.2 says people may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. Listen, your heart matters because God calls you to love him with all of your heart. But also this, listen, it reflects your passions and your priorities. When your heart is not aligned with God's heart, your life is not aligned. Matthew 6.21, Jesus says wherever your treasure is, they're the desires of your heart will be also. Listen, here, here's the thing. Here's why the heart matters so much. If God has your heart, he will have your life. See, I've never had to convince anybody who's wanting to God to lead them in every respect. I've never had to make them do anything. By the way, you can't make anybody do anything. That's why we love, lift, and lead people to the cross. We don't try to make anybody get anywhere. We're trying to love them there. Listen, your heart also matters because it is the control center of your life. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Why should you care about your heart? Because God knows you better check yourself or you're going to wreck yourself. Listen, your heart matters because if God has your heart, then God has you. God says, I want your heart Listen, it's the most intimate part of you. God wants a relationship with you. Let me, let me relieve you on something. Don't worry about what I think or anybody else thinks. Worry about what God thinks and say, God, how do you like how I'm thinking? How do you like what I'm doing? By the way, when you come to worship and it's just a checkoff, then it evidently feels like an obligation. See, I come to worship with expectation. 
I would not show up today if I didn't believe that what we were going to do and what God was going to do, most of all, was going to change lives. I'm out. I'm just not good at playing that game. That's the reason I'm not just at any church, okay? The day that God called me to, um, to church planning and to start a church that really, really, really was serious about um, reaching men, women, boys, and girls that apart from Christ are dying and going to hell, um, I left, I burned every bridge I had to be right where I'm in with you. I burned every bridge I had. I, I mean, I, I, and I say that just, just because of this way. You know, um, most people don't know. I mean, I spent 19 and a half years of my life um, in school. Got a master's degree and no master in nothing, by the way. I ain't nothing but a hillbilly deluxe, two pickup trucks. <laughs> the fact that I got a master's means there's hope for all of you. Some of you could be a doctor based on what I did. But I say that just to say this. It's not, when it's not about you, it's not about you. Listen, worship is realizing. I want you to write this down. This is something God's given me. Worship is realizing how much God loves you and choosing to love him. Worship is, is knowing how much God loves you, which you learn more and more each day, and you choosing to love him more each day. Listen, as Jesus lived and, and loved while he was living on this, this um, earth, as he knew that his crucifixion would be coming soon, and the Bible says that, that his, um, his, his body was weak, but his spirit was willing. He had to keep tuning his heart. That's why he withdrew to lonely places often. He withdrew from crowds. He, re, re, he, he withdrew from chaos, and he kept saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. Tune my heart into your heart. Listen, real worship can't even begin without you wholeheartedly seeking God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. See, everybody reads Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh, God knows the plans he has for me, plans not to harm me, but plans to give me a hope and a future. Yes, that's true. But the only way there, the only way you discover them, the only way you live them, the only way that you experience the peace of God and the purpose of God is you got to seek God wholeheartedly. Not because anybody made you or because somebody tried to make you feel guilty, but because you said, hey, I've already tried it my way long enough. I'm going to give it up to God. Did you know your relationship with God, it couldn't even start without believing in Jesus in your heart? It's not, listen, it's not, yes, Jesus, I would like to not go to hell. Who wouldn't? I told him, I said, I've never met anybody sane that said, please sign me up for hell. It's beyond a get out of hell free card. It is confessing, the scripture says, Jesus as your Lord. In fact, Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess Jesus as your Lord, you will be saved. And then look at Romans 10.10. 10. It says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. When God has your heart, the Holy Spirit comes to live within your life and you are no longer just feeling guilty about sin, you feel convicted about sin. See, the thing is, since Jesus came into my heart, nobody has to run me down. I know that God saved me by grace through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, and I know I'm accountable to him. I know at the end of the day, he's going to give me my final report card. Listen, your walk with God is letting God lead your heart step by step by step. I want, I want to encourage you on something, how you can live to the fullest and not be so overwhelmed by what might happen next week and the week after that. Live today as if it was going to be your last. Live today totally saying, hey, lead my heart, hold my heart, help my heart. 
your worship, your relationship with God, it always requires seeking God wholeheartedly. Listen, you've heard the saying before, you get out of it what you're putting into it. There's been plenty of times I only put in a one-fourth partnership with God, even though he was fully committed to me. Listen, many don't ever discover God's plans for one reason. They never seek God wholeheartedly. There's a difference between seeking God for a bailout versus saying, God, I give my life to you. But I hope you hear me. If God doesn't have your heart, you can't begin to worship you can't begin to be in tune to him. Which brings me to the second thing. Real worship, it requires open heart. It requires an open heart. Right now, your heart is one of two ways. We're always this way. We're either open or closed. We're either seeking our will or we're seeking his will. Listen, boundaries with people, they're necessary, especially if some people are crazy. You got to have boundaries with people. You got to you got to you got to know when to hold them and fold them with people. But I want you to hear this: God always needs full access to your heart. Anytime you're shutting Him out, you are shutting out the blessing of God and adding burden to your life. Listen, I want you to hear me. God is knocking at your heart's door. You thought you were coming to church when really you came here, and Christ wants to meet you and come into your heart and take over your life. Listen, God is knocking at your heart's door just like he knocks at mine day in, day out, saying, listen, let me come in, let me take over. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door of the church and I continually knock. If anyone hears my voice and, and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. I will restore him and he with me. By the way, God oftentimes restores order in your heart before he, he restores order in your life. Everything could be going right in your life. You could have a great income. You could have this. You could have that. But if your heart's out of line, your life's out of line. You can't have the joy of God. You can't have the peace of God. There's just some freedom in that. Listen, we all need to, to hang. I want you to write this down. We all need to, to hang a big welcome sign around our neck, a sign that says, God, you have full access. Come in to my heart. Take over my life. Lord, I'm open. Not sometimes. Not like the, the periodic Krispy Kreme pot now. All the time. Psalm 139, verse 1, and then 23 through 24, it says, Oh, Lord, you've examined my heart, and you know everything about me. Listen to this. It's no, it's no mystery. God already knows everything going on in your heart. Okay, You can't hide. You can't run. But you have to choose whether or not you're going to let God... Um, fix and align your heart, which is where the psalmist chose to do. Psalm uh, verse 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the paths of everlasting life. Listen, if it's not right with God, it's not right. We got to break this deal of where we're like, well, we in 2021. 2021. 2021 ain't no different than 2,000 years ago. The Word of God is the Word of God. God said it. We believe it. That settles it. Methods might change around here. We pretty much believe that we need to change our methodology in order to reach people, but we don't change the theology. See, I, if, I get away, if I get away from preaching the Word of God to you, I want to run out the building because I'm scared the lightning might hit me. See, I don't always enjoy it, just so you know. I, I, 915 service, those people didn't even notice. I wasn't comfortable the whole service. 
Because I had some people looking at me like this. You know, or like my daddy did with his glasses. I was starting to get worried about some. Uh, I, I'm sure some of you can, you, you know what I mean when sometimes you feel like, well, you're like, I'm just a messenger. But this is the message God gave me to give. So I'm trying to share it with you, but I'm telling you, God got all over my business and in my business with this. I was like, God, leave me alone. I'm trying to prepare a message for these people. He's like, now listen, I want to get on in this area, correct? Here's another thing you're not doing. Here's another thing you need to do. Thirdly, real worship. It requires a humble, childlike heart. Real worship requires a humble, childlike heart. Now, it's not like how I am. It's not childish. It's childlike, okay? We got four boys, but my wife often seems to find five in the house. Worship is about God's children. I want you to remember your place. It is about God's children enjoying God's presence and God's love in their life. It is not a ritual that God wants, but a relationship. And you, gotta, you, gotta, you have to assume the position. He is the Father. We are His sons and daughters. And that's only by grace through faith. It is a pri- Listen, it is a privilege. We, we throw out the, the word Christian like it's, like it's just water. Not everybody's a Christian, and not everybody has the privilege of being a child of God. That came through Christ and by His grace and through our faith in that. Listen, for this to happen, there's two things that happen in your life. First of all, you got to have humility. You have to have humility. I say this often because this is where God took me. Until you have flat brokenness, you will not have openness. God had to let me fall apart in order for me to get put back together. How many of you know that sometimes you think you're over yourself, but you're still full of yourself? I have dealt with that many a time. Pride. Someone once said, pride puts the I in the center of my life. Ego stands for edging God out. Listen, anytime we let pride and arrogance lead the way, we're going to wreck. We're going to wreck. As long as we're only letting Jesus ride in the passenger seat and we're in the driver's seat, we're headed nowhere but yet expecting wonderful things. James 4, 6 says, and he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. By the way, you know, blessed are not the perfect. Blessed are those who've been lavished with his grace and who are humble before him. Listen, God opposes the proud. You can bet on this. Anytime we're full of ourselves, God is not for us. He has good things for us, but, but he opposes the proud. But it says he gives grace to the humble. Listen, none of us deserve God's grace. God says he will give us grace anyway when we repent of our sin and humble ourselves before him. I think that's where we came up with this, this just, just kneeling, just as the, the, the wise men did when they were handing their gifts to, to baby Jesus. You, you humble yourselves. Listen, apart from God's grace and love, here's where we are. We're worthless. We're fatherless. And we are eternally hopeless. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer that the moment you really realize all that God has done for you without ever Him ever doing another thing in your life, you can't do enough for Him. Once you understand the grace of God, when you really know and discover that but by the grace of God go you, 
it changes you. Isaiah 57, 15 says, the high and lofty ones who live in eternity, the holy one says this, I live in the high and holy places with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and I revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. Listen, we must humble our hearts before God before we can expect to go to new heights. It is as we decrease and that he increases in our lives that we have the fullness of God's peace and we're able to live out his greater purpose. But you don't just need a humble heart, you need a childlike heart. You need a childlike faith. Luke 18, 17, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. As I try to tell my boys, no matter how many times you hear the gospel, it will never make sense. It will never make sense why God had to allow his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I don't know. And the scripture says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who don't know his power. But to those who do, the gospel is the power of God. Listen, a childlike faith isn't trying to figure everything out. You know, when a child's younger, you know, I have my youngest son over here. A, a young child naturally wants to trust their parents. You know, hey, you're going to look after me. You're going to protect me. You know, you're you're going to tell me the right things, not try to tell me the wrong things. That's the way we have to trust God. That's the way we have to look to God is he's the father. We don't play by our rules. We play by his. Listen, he's calling us. He's saying, come to me, my child. Trust in me. Rely on me. Love me. I love you. Let me take you by the hand. Let me hold your heart. But fourthly, real worship requires a surrendered heart. I would say this is where the, the plane's going to leave the runway. I've probably not said anything up to this point that you haven't already heard before or couldn't have reasoned out yourself. But hear this. Real worship requires a surrendered heart. You could hear messages every day of your life. You could go to church every day of your life. You could pray every day of your life. You could sing songs all the time in your car. But if you don't surrender your heart completely to God, your faith will go nowhere. Where the rubber meets the road is not, do we just worship God on Sundays, but do we choose to surrender our lives to God Monday through Sundays? Don't raise your hand, but maybe some of you were like me. My first many years of my walk with Christ, the only thing I knew, only thing I had was a church thing. It took me a while to, for something not to be my parents' faith, but to be my confession of faith. Listen, God comes to you as you are because he loves you, but God loves you too much to leave you right there. Listen, we all have lots of spiritual cancer inside of us, sinful ways that need to go, healing over life's brokenness and hurts, things that God wants to change inside of us for his good, for his glory. And you have to wholeheartedly surrender everything to God. Here's what you need to surrender to God. Write this down, the past, the present, and the future. You have to surrender to God, the past, the present, and the future. When you do that and when you know you're doing that, you know it's all sitting in his hands, and that's a great place and peace to feel. You don't have to understand it to trust God with it. I love the fact that God's able to use whatever's ever happened in your past to make you um, different and be able to make a difference 
in the future. By the way, we all go through pain. We all go through struggles. We all have things we wish wouldn't happen in our lives. And those things are the very things that create a bridge with the love of Christ to help other people that are going through those same things. Listen, if you come to Sunday worship and you sing about God's goodness and his greatness and faithfulness, and you say, here I am to worship you, God, and, and nothing seems to change, here's probably the problem. It's most likely that you are not allowing God to change you. You're expecting God to change everything around you, but you are not. That's the first alignment check. You know what separates a shallow relationship with God from a deep relationship with God? A shallow relationship just gives God their attention every now and then or just when they hit rock bottom. But a deep relationship has a deep heart commitment. Listen, a deep relationship gives God full access to their heart and a full surrender. Listen, the greater your surrender to God, the deeper your relationship with God. If you ever notice in your life, the more desperate you get for God is when you seek God the most, and that's, how, that's why you feel so much closer to God in those moments, even though you're like, man, Jesus, I'm hanging on by a thread right now. But you actually feel closer. Why? Because you're leaning in more. It's less of you, more of him. Listen, often the reason we don't feel close to God is because our heart chooses to be distant from God. You've heard it said before, um, God doesn't move away from you. You move away from him. He's been there all the time. James 4, 7 through 10, it says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. By the way, you cannot come close to God without coming clean with God. In my life, anytime I ever bow my head to prayer, often there's something I need to come clean with God on, something I'm still needing to turn over him and repent of. He says, come close to God. God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. You have to be broken over your sin before you're going to care about doing anything with it, by the way. If you think it's okay, it'll be okay in your mind. But if you believe God sees all, knows all, and he does not approve of what you're thinking, what you're doing, or the approach that you're taking in life, the conviction of God will be on you. The conviction of God will be on you. And listen, the only freedom for that is to find peace with God. Sometimes the only thing you know to do is to lay flat down just as I do and did again this morning in the shower, putting my face into the drain, saying, God, I humble myself once again to you. I hope you can do something despite me. Listen, when God begins to deal with things in your life, he always gives you a choice. You can say yes or you can say no. I can promise you this. Saying no to God is never a good thing. Not rarely a good a good thing, never a good thing. Surrender to God is always not only the right thing, but the best thing. Why? Listen to this, because his plans are better than yours. Anytime you reject God and his pursuit of you, really you're saying, hey, I just want to live this way when you could live this way. You ever wonder what you might be missing because you hadn't given God everything? Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Why should I fight with God wanting my agenda when his agenda will prevail and be the only one that prospers and the only one that matters? Proverbs 14, 11 through 12 says, the house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There's a way that appears right 
but in the end, it leads to death. Listen, it is always best to say, yes, God, I surrender all. King Saul, he was told to do certain things by God in a specific way, but instead, King Saul chose to do things his own way. Saul thought his sacrifices for God were more important than his full obedience to God. Look at what 1 Samuel 15, 22 says to him. It says, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices are your obedience to his voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Listen, God isn't just wanting your worship or your money. He wants your heart and he wants your full surrender. He wants you to trust him and then he wants you to go out there and obey him. 1 Samuel 15, 23 says, Rebellion is as sinful, as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Listen, how many times have we been stubborn with God? Listen, it's only once we fully surrender where we're not near as worried as being right as doing right. Remember, the Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, who will align with him in heart and mind and purpose. Listen, we all have areas in our lives that are far from perfect. All other things of our worship, though, are meaningless. Listen, it won't matter if you say you got an open heart. It won't matter if you say you got an open heart and you've given God full access. If you don't surrender, it negates all the others. Because it won't matter what you do at this altar if it doesn't transfer into a life of obedience and surrender, it's headed nowhere. It's just a prayer. This is just a sermon. Last but not least, I want you to see this. True worship requires a forgiven and a forgiving heart. I recently heard a pastor sharing this, and it's really spoke to my heart. True worship requires a forgiven and a forgiving heart. Listen, when God has your heart, it means you've been forgiven, and by the grace of God, you aren't who you used to be, and you aren't who you're going to be. But it also, if we have the heart of Christ and the heart of God, it makes us forgiving to others. Listen, you can't worship God freely without having God's forgiveness freeing you. You know, you know what keeps back some people from being able to raise their hands and worship God fully? Conviction. But you know what can also free you up in a heartbeat is knowing that you have asked God to forgive you and that your heart sincerely is seeking him now. You can all of a sudden raise those hands, not because you are worthy, but because he is worthy. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what's amazing about amazing grace? Is every time it's sitting right there. It does not matter how many times I've screwed up or what other people think about me. The moment that I sincerely repent of that sin and I ask God to forgive me of that sin, it is forgiven. He does not hold it against me. In fact, not only does God promise to forgive you, but he promises to throw your sin as far as the east is from the west and even use the things that you shouldn't have done for his glory. And guess what? To reflect his grace because everybody might have known what you did or didn't do. But now they understand it's not the I but the Christ in you. Listen, you can't worship with a happy heart when you're living without 
a forgiving heart. When you are not living, experiencing God's forgiveness. Psalm 103, 1 through 3 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. Listen, the moment you forget what God does for you and has done for you, you will fail to worship him wholeheartedly. But it goes beyond that. Listen, being forgiven is not enough. If you've truly been forgiven, you will have a heart of forgiveness towards others. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Listen, the Bible's pretty clear. We're supposed to be like, like father, like son. We're supposed to imitate Christ. What did Christ do? Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we didn't deserve it, God sent his only son, Jesus, to die for us so that we could be forgiven by grace through faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Listen, sometimes we think about this. We're like, well, I'm not as bad as most people. Aren't I all this and that? And we think about, man, this person, that person, they deserve this, they deserve that. Listen, every last one of us, we deserve hell, but by grace through Christ alone do we not get it. Listen, forgiven people, those who realize they've been forgiven of much, will choose to forgive much to others. Because you understand your grace work. Listen, we're all sinners, and there's only one thing that separates any sinners. Some are lost. Some are saved. Some have been saved by his grace. Others have not yet received and believed in his grace. Matthew 6, 12, and 14, Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, he said, this is how we should pray. And forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Listen, you don't have to like something, and you don't have to like someone to forgive them because that's the way Christ forgave you. And by the way, if you choose not to forgive somebody, regardless of how wrong that other person is, it won't just hold them hostage. It will hold you hostage. You can't have freedom in Christ. So if, so if you're about to give your offering to God and your worship to God, and you suddenly remember that, that there's something you need to make right, not fix. You can't fix people, but there's something you need to say. There's something you need to ask somebody to forgive you of. There's something that you need to do to make sure that you've owned and, and, and sought to, to just... Be Christ-like in your forgiveness. You go do that. The Bible tells us in Matthew 5, 23 through 24, in the Amplified Bible, it says, Jesus said, if, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and while there you remember that your brother has something such as a grievance or a legitimate complaint against you, leave your offering there at the altar and go. First make peace with your brother, and then come and present your offering. Now, you don't pastor for 29 years and not have, um, you have people who love you, and then you have people, because of maybe you've been in the middle of certain situations or so, that they don't like you, okay? But I can sit here and tell you, I don't have anybody out there, I don't have anything out there that, that, that comes to my mind or God's not brought to my heart to say or do or own that I've not chose to try to do that. Again, it's not about perfection. You know, some, sometimes in those moments, that's when, we, that's when we show Christ the most is when we do what we should do, not what we wanted and felt like doing. 
What is a true worshiper as we close out today? Someone with a sincere, wholehearted connection, seeking God with all their heart, open-hearted, humble, childlike heart, a surrendered heart, a forgiven and a forgiving heart. Listen, God is looking for real worshipers because he wants a real relationship with you. John 4.23 says, True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. I can't remember the exact quote, but I'll leave you with this. The quote said something of this nature. Most are yet to see what God can do through a man or a woman who chooses to totally surrender to him. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I want to thank you, Lord, for anything that you've done despite me today, anything that you've, you've spoken to anyone's heart. God, I know that you've, you've been speaking deeply to me, Lord, um, revealing many things to me, God, and I just I surrender my heart, my life to you. And Lord, I pray that my other brothers and sisters would choose to do the same, Lord, knowing that it is your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. God, I pray for that person that needs to take that first step of saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died on that cross for me so that I could have eternal life in heaven with you. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Save me. Save my soul and be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart and take over. Lord, I pray that that person today, that you're telling them, hey, today's the day they give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. I pray they do that and they tell someone about that decision. Lord, I also pray for that person just saying, hey, you know what? I get to get back to the heart of worship. I know the Lord. I know what he wants me to do. I've just kind of gotten off track. God, I pray today, Lord, they know they can come as they are to you. They won't leave the same. God, humble our hearts. Lead our lives. Take over in each and every situation in Jesus' name.